this time those under the age kindergarten and under may go to children's church hopefully you noticed uh, the front of the bulletin the K-Fest is an event that the town of Nightdale uh, is doing this is their second year I believe uh, of doing this event last year they had a few thousand at the Nightdale Park um, so a few thousand uh, and so this is an opportunity for us to uh, be a part of our community just to uh, expose ourselves uh, to many folks with families and uh, so I encourage you to look at the front of the bulletin um, we're going to try to have a presence there uh, to be able to meet and greet the families uh, that are in our area and uh, so we're looking for folks that will be willing to take some shifts uh, because it's an all, all day event on Saturday uh, and so you'll see that. Uh, in fact, we'll be sending an email uh, about that. Um, if you're on our email subscription list, uh, we'll give you uh, quite a bit of information throughout the week. And so uh, we'll uh, be sending that to you. If you'd like to uh, sign up for an hour shift, that'd be wonderful. In fact, we're uh, looking at folks that are uh, wanting to be trained in making balloon animals. So Bud's, I think, going to be doing another class this Wednesday. Uh, we'll be utilizing those skills, giving you some good practice uh, on that day to making balloon animals, and so uh, that'll be this Wednesday, I believe, is the last uh, training for uh, the balloon animals. Uh, so that'll be a great opportunity as well. I just want you all to know uh, the elders uh, and um, some of us have been meeting with a Hispanic church um, uh, leadership, and, and uh, his name is um, uh, Eddie Jimenez, and uh, they are a church that has been currently meeting in the Wendell area, but many of their membership is in the Nightdale East Raleigh area. And so they were looking to uh, relocate, wanting to uh, come this way. And so we have been talking to the leadership. This is a, a church of around 30 to 40, 50 people uh, that uh, meet. Uh, they are uh, of like faith of ours. Uh, and so we're uh, working through some details of them uh, using this facility with us uh, on uh, Sunday evenings. Uh, so we're looking at possibly at 6 p.m. And so if you'll pray with us about that as we're meeting with them, uh, we'll be giving you the details, but uh, they're looking even as early as, um, well, next Sunday, last Sunday of August is something that they're looking toward, uh, moving away from where they're at uh, and coming here and wanting to join with us in some of our partnerships. Uh, and the outreach work that we do. Uh, in fact, we had two or three families that came to our movie event uh, just to uh, do something, see uh, us uh, work at a movie event. Uh, and so uh, just keep this in prayer. We feel strongly the need for reaching Hispanic people that are a large number around us. Uh, I'm not very well equipped in doing that. Uh, I've, I've got some major barriers in making it happen. A lot of us do. Uh, but uh, we're uh, looking to having someone perhaps come in uh, and help us with that. As you well know, Jose uh, is no longer able to, hasn't been able to for some time, uh, to uh, work in the Hispanic ministry uh, so that he can do full-time work and uh, financially supporting his family. Uh, so uh, this is just something, if you'll just pray with us about this uh, as we look to see what the Lord may do. Uh, we want you to be thinking about it, praying about it with us, uh, and uh, we'll be giving you more information as we're able to do that. Uh, so if you see some people you're not used to seeing uh, uh, by the end of this month, it may very well be that this is someone that's a part of that group 
Uh, and so we'll be introducing uh, that as we pray about that uh, uh, if we come to that decision. So I want you to, to join us with us in prayer. Um, we're going to uh, ask that you turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 23. So uh, we're still in between uh, some times of series, and so I wanted uh, to take this opportunity to talk about Psalm 23 um, for no other reason. Well, there's more than one reason, but the first reason is this is one of my favorite psalms. Uh, I know this is uh, a favorite for many of you. Uh, it is, I found, helpful in every season of life uh, in Psalm 23. And so I've never been able to uh, preach from this passage, and so uh, in this in-between season, I thought, well, you know, let me just preach on some things that mean a lot to me, and I know mean a lot to you, uh, and can challenge us as well. Uh, and Psalm 23 is certainly one of these, is perhaps one you've got memorized without even trying, perhaps. Uh, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. There you go. Uh, so uh, it's in our minds already, in our culture, and so we want to uh, let it be a part of our heart as well. Uh, to think through this. And what you may not know is that Psalm 22, 23, and 24 really go together. Um, and that there is a very, uh, well, it's been said that uh, the Old Testament is revealed by the New Testament. Okay, the Old Testament is revealed by the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament is concealed within the Old Testament. And so you're going to see this parallel that happens between these two. And so Psalm 22, it is really about Jesus being a good shepherd in that uh, David, who's writing Psalm 22, talks about the betrayal at hand, but really is best fulfilled by Jesus on the cross. And you'll see that very clearly as you read Psalm 22, the prophecy of Jesus dying on the cross. Psalm 24 is about a king of glory. Uh, these are some of the echoes of what we were just singing uh, the king of glory, which is really a shepherd in his, in, in his glory. This is the future of those who follow Jesus Christ, uh, that he will be coming in uh, to reign. But Psalm 23 uh, is the great shepherd, of which describes our life as it is now. Those of us who have experienced Jesus dying on the cross for us, looking forward to Jesus coming in glory, how we live our life now is described in Psalm 23 which is, of course, about Jesus being our shepherd. God is our shepherd. Uh, and so we're going to look and see how it is instructive to us today uh, how we live our life. Now, we happen to know some of the circumstances behind this psalm uh, of David's life. Uh, this is written uh, most likely during a season where David has had a rebellious son. Now, how do you know when your son is rebelling? Well, for David, it was when his son wanted his job, which was king. Uh, and not only did he want his job, he raised up an army and championed the hearts of the people to go against David. And David fled for his life, and he is wandering in the wilderness area, uh, knowing that his son David not only wants his job, wants his very life. That's how you know when your son's rebellion, all right? Uh, so pretty extreme, uh, but he is in a major upheaval, uh, and yet God is giving him grace. God is giving him mercy all on the way, and David is remembering back to his youth when God found him as a shepherd boy, uh, and from the shepherding of his father's sheep brought him to be king to shepherd 
the nation of Israel. You'll see Moses, God, brought out from the shepherd's field to shepherd his people out of Egypt into the promised land. And so this is a theme that God likes, the shepherding theme. And so we're going to read that today uh, as we look at this and see how God wants to be our shepherd today and what does that mean for us. So let's stand as we read together Psalm 23. Uh, In fact, why don't we just read it aloud together? All right. Uh, I know we might have some different translations, but just go with the default of what you memorized. All right. So here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. So the theme of this chapter is right there in the very first verse. This shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we see this very first line, the first thing that we can see is our own need. We are making a declaration that the Lord is our shepherd, which means that I am assuming that I am a sheep. All right? So as many of you have probably uh, heard, sheep are notoriously dumb animals. Uh, I my, have some cousins in West Virginia, and they uh, have livestock, of which some of, uh, include the sheep. And uh, it was amazing to watch how they would have to take care of the sheep. Uh, but it is often uh, wondered, the, those who are full-blown believing in evolution, how do you explain sheep? Um, you know, the whole idea is that uh, you move from simple to more complex uh, in evolution, and uh, sheep... Uh, I cannot see how they could continue and thrive without a man uh, being there to take care of the sheep. And so I often wonder, how how do evolutionaries uh, comprehend this, explain how sheep can thrive uh, when there is no man to take care of them? Uh, And so uh, they're totally dependent on a caretaker. They are, uh, uh, you know, they don't like rushing water because they have all this wool absorbs in it. They have these little spindly little legs. Uh, and that, you know, they get in water, it's just not a good mix. That, that water fills up their wool and they float away. Uh, and so uh, the thing is, though, they might easily just walk right into rushing water. Uh, it's been said that uh, if their sheep are following other sheep, they will walk right off a cliff. Uh, seeing the sheep in front of them fall off the cliff will not stop them from following that same sheep. Uh, they can sit there, and if they eat up all the grass, they will stay there and starve to death. Uh, unless someone takes them to a sheep. If it's raining, they don't like being in rain, but uh, they don't know what to do. Uh, There could be a shelter over next to them, but they do not walk out of the rain into the shelter unless a human comes and takes them in, which is very aggravating for the human. Uh, I got to go out in the rain and we got to bring them in. And so there's this notoriously dumb animals. Uh, And so when we look at this, It sounds wonderful, and it is wonderful, but you've got to get past the ugly step of confessing our stupidity. 
Now, I know sometimes we don't use that word um, unless it fits, all right? Um, as uh, one teacher, movie uh, artist said, uh, stupid is as stupid does. Uh, and so it doesn't take long for us to say, yeah, okay, I must be dumb. Uh, and so first, when we get to this passage, for us to see the comfort, we've got to embrace the dumbness. We've got to embrace our sheepishness, all right? Uh, that there is limitations that each one of us have. We are blinded. Uh, we do not know the future. We're often ruled by our own desires without knowing the greater good. Uh, delayed gratification is something we have to learn uh, and through trial and error. And so when we come to this text, you've got to first understand that we are not the captains of our own fate. And that goes against American ideals. That we can make our own self, the self-made man, and that we will drive our own course. Uh, Psalm 23, the comfort of it is only found after you embrace that you are not the captain of your own fate. You need a captain in your life. And without this captain, you will float astray. And so, uh, first as we read this, we need to embrace that. So see our need uh, to, to know the joy of a shepherd. We've got to understand our need of a shepherd. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, the other thing that we see here, right in the first line, is our leader. I want you to see our leader. Uh, notice how the phrase is given, the Lord is my shepherd. If you read your text, you might find that the word Lord is in all capital letters. That's an English clue uh, to let us know that the Lord in question here, the word used, is the word referring to the unique title of God, the Yahweh God, which is that title was given, if you can recall your history, Moses was in the burning bush, and God encounters Moses, and Moses is getting commissioned to go, and he asks this question, God, if uh, they ask me who sending me to empower them to leave Egypt, what do I say? Who are you? What name do you go by? And God says, tell them I am. That is the word that was used for uh, Yahweh was I am. And so whenever you see that capital L-O-R-D, that is your English clue to let us know that it's not just the generic name for God, which was Elohim, uh, but the unique God that belonged to the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Moses, the I Am. So when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, we are saying the God that led Moses out of Egypt into the promised land, that God is my shepherd. The God that spoke to Abraham and said, I will produce a nation that will bless all the nations, that God is our shepherd. The one that spoke to Isaac and said that out of you will come two nations, uh, that one is our shepherd. The one that said to Jacob that Jacob wrestled with God, uh, and yet uh, God gave him a new name despite this, the con otter's ways of Jacob, that God is our shepherd. And so we got to understand our leader. Where is he taking us? Now, what's fascinating about that is when Jesus walked on the earth, he was challenged about who he is. You remember there's a statement where he said, before Moses was, I am. 
And so the people wanted to kill him because he was claiming that title of the Yahweh God. So when it says the Lord is my shepherd, not only is the Yahweh God our shepherd, Jesus also is our shepherd. And so what's amazing about that is Psalm 23 was a psalm that Jesus would have prayed and held on to. And then he himself fulfills for us. Now, just imagine reading this as Jesus. Jesus praying this to God the Father. God, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. God, you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside the still still waters. You restore my soul. God, you led Jesus in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God the Father, you led Jesus walking through the valley of shadow of death. And Jesus did not fear evil because he knew that you were with him. And so you see how Jesus himself prayed this prayer, then he himself enabled this prayer to be for us. That Jesus is now our shepherd walking with us. Now what's amazing about this is that the shepherd doesn't take us down roads where he himself didn't go. This past, uh, past week we were there in the beach and uh, they had um, this place you could go into, uh, a rope course uh, under uh, our under shelter, an indoor ropes course, and so our family, uh, most of our family, went onto this this rope course. And Canaan, uh, our our youngest, was just barely tall enough to go on this, and you know he had the harness and all that, and uh, but he had to have an adult go with him, uh, and which meant that we had to climb up you know two or three stories. And you had to walk on these balance beams, and uh, sometimes you had to walk on ropes, and you, you, know, bunt, you held up in a harness to this guide on top. Um, but, you know, I thought, well, this would be no problem. I can do this with Canaan until I walked up the steps. I thought, this is a little bit different perspective now that I'm up here. Um, and I don't want to be that one guy that tests out the harness, you know, because <laughs> I'm not sure how I can climb back up on the balance beam, everyone looking up at me. And what made it even more difficult was Canaan was perhaps more scared or as scared as I was. But I couldn't tell him that I was scared too, because then that would mess everything up. Uh, and so not only uh, are we going on this, Canaan's saying, hey, Dad, you got to hold my hand. <laughs> thinking... Okay, I'm walking in a balance beam. He's right in front of me. Now I can't hold on for dear life. He wants me to hold on to him. And it got immensely more difficult as we're walking. And my knees, he, my knees are shaking and his are too, you know. We look like quite the pair. Uh, but he thinks I'm great, you know. He doesn't know I was scared as, as he was. Uh, that's the thing about leading, isn't it? Uh, you can't quite always show that. Um, but here is our Savior, walking down the same paths that he asks uh, ask us to walk down as well. When he goes down the valley of shadow of death, Jesus has gone down that same valley. And we can see, and it's recorded for us, his tears, his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But all the while, he says, I'm going to ask you to follow me, but I'm going to hold your hand as we go. And so, see our leader as we go down this shepherd psalm, he's walking with us. Now, Jesus himself just said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming And leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I 
am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. So here Jesus is saying, I am that good shepherd. I will be that shepherd. But here's the key. We said the Lord, we talked about a leader. He's a shepherd. But notice the preposition. My shepherd. Or the possessive. My shepherd. So when we talk about this, there's got to be a point where this leader becomes yours. And so this is our glory. So when we see the shepherd psalm, we see, uh, we see our need. We see our leader, but now we can see our glory. The glory is that Jesus is my shepherd. It's personal. He's not just general, walking all over the, the world and just leading the, the nations. But he is a personal shepherd. You see, the thing is, we all have a voice we're listening to. Every single one of us has some directive by which we make decisions. We've got some force, some shepherd, if you will. The question is, what kind of shepherd do you have? When we talk about Jesus being my shepherd, we're talking about the Yahweh, the I Am, that has no limitation on Him. Him being my shepherd, it is my glory. It is a glorious thing to follow the, the one who made you. It is the most glorious thing to follow one who knows the beginning and the end. The one who resurrected from the dead. That is our glory. It's not to have some mini kingdom of our own. And that's where we get confused. We try to have our mini kingdoms. And we think that our glory is found in getting our agenda done. But our glory is to follow Jesus and that he is my shepherd. Our shepherd. As we keep on reading, notice in verse 3 that he is the one that leads us and passes righteousness for his name's sake. His namesake. That is the authority of God. For the sake of God's authority, we follow him. And for the majesty of his character, we follow him for his namesake. So the problem is that we do it for our namesake. It's something, even as we were praying before uh, service started, there was this, this thought in my mind, like, man, I hope, I hope Green Pines, we do it well today. I hope we worship God together, together well, and I hope that things are, are, are impressive and, and that things done well. And I thought, well, wait a second. This isn't about the name of Green Pines. This is about the name of God. For the sake of God's authority, let us live, let us love, let us follow Him. And that becomes our glory. Not how great our church is, how great our name is, but the name of God. And so the question that comes in, in mind is what is God's authority? What does he want done in our life? That's our glory. But let's keep on reading. The Lord is my shepherd. That's, <laughs> we've done what, five words there? Okay, I shall not want. I shall not want. I want you to see our satisfaction. When we have Jesus as our shepherd, 
It simply says, I am not going to lack. It's not that, sometimes we read this, I shall not want, does that mean I, I don't have desires? No, that's not what it's talking about. It's, it's bringing out that I'm not lacking any good thing when Jesus is my shepherd. So, if I was to ask you this question, are you satisfied? This little bit right here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, has a simple conclusion. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. But if I am in want, then it is obvious that the Lord is not my shepherd. You see, the, there's an inverse to this. If I'm lacking, then it must be that the Lord is not my shepherd. You've got to think about that. What does that mean for us? If anyone or anything is shepherding us, that's not the Lord. We will never be satisfied. If it's our vocation our job that is shepherding us, then there's going to be a restlessness, a feverish activity, a frustration. If education is our shepherd, then we're going to be constantly being disillusioned. If it's another person that's shepherding us, then we're always going to be disappointed, and ultimately we're going to be left empty. It's interesting, um, so there's a terminology for folks that use drugs. Let's say we're wasted. Have you ever thought about what that meant? We're wasted. That might be a good terminology for it. I have thought that I could be better and live better by using this chemical. And now my mind and my life is wasted. The drugs are not good shepherds. The alcohol is not good shepherds. So when we read this, we understand that if we follow Jesus Christ, then there is a satisfaction, there is a contentment that is found in our life. Jesus said this, this way, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He said that in the context of either you can serve God or you can serve money. But if you serve money, you're going to find your life is wasted. But if you learn to let Jesus be your shepherd and his righteousness guides you, then you'll be content. Does that mean you'll have all the things that everyone else has? No. But you're going to not lack for what matters in your life. So we're going to see our satisfaction here. I think about Psalm 103. Verse 6 has this powerful, 6 through 14 has this powerful word of just knowing how does God treat us? Notice it says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. He acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and bounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so does far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the children shows compassion, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. The shepherd is constantly aware that we are sheep. Notice what it says here. I shall not want it. What, what does he do? Well, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It's by lying down in green pastures that a sheep is able to digest what they're eating. He knows what's needed for us. He knows our frame that we're made of dust. 
and he will feed us in ways that we can be nourished spiritually, physically, in our life. He leads me beside still waters. Now, remember, this isn't just because it's a pretty scene, all right? It's not just a, a pretty pond that reflects the sun. you got the pictures of that. That's not just because it's pretty to look at. It goes back to the sheep. The sheep needs to have still waters to drink because the rushing water and sheep don't mix well. They get swept away. All right. So even if there's rushing water, they have to dam it up so there's still. And so the, the shepherd is taking care of the sheep according to the needs of the sheep. This again speaks to us. And, this, and so he restores my soul. That's literally to make my soul alive. That's what it's talking about. Makes my soul alive. When we follow other shepherds, it brings nothing but death. But when Jesus is coming, he brings our spirit alive. So as we walk through this world, it's Jesus who says, out of me will flow rivers of living water. He says to the Samaritan, want to drink of me. For I can give you living water, which will cause you to thirst no more. There's this spirit of satisfaction that comes from relationship with Jesus Christ. So there is this satisfaction that is given to us here. But we keep on reading. We're going to see also our direction. What does the shepherd give us? Not only just satisfaction, not only do we see our glory in that he is my shepherd, to see our leader that Jesus is a shepherd, see our need in that we are sheep, but now we see our direction. He says, you lead me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. You need to understand the parallel there. Walking down the paths of righteousness includes valleys of shadow of death. It's not just the still waters where it restores your soul, but it's even in the midst of this that God will take you down difficult roads. But he does it for his name's sake and for righteousness' sake. And so, here is our direction. Psalm 32 has this interesting statement. Verse 6 and 9 says, Therefore let anyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Psalm 32, David is writing this in the time of confession of sin. And Jesus is, and God's speaking to him and said, don't be like a donkey or mule that has to have a bit in their mouth just to keep them near you. Be like the sheep that is ever dependent on the nourishment and direction of Jesus. So when we think about this, and you got plans in your life, here, remember David, he's trying to figure out how to regain his kingdom. He's, he's running away, trying to figure out what to do, and he's remembering, I have a shepherd who will instruct me in the way that I should go. But here's a key. When you're trying to find direction, you've got to ask God, what do you want from me? But here's one important key. If you're not surrendered... As a sheep to a shepherd, do not think the shepherd's going to give you direction. 
Have you ever come to a crisis point of your life and trying to figure out what decisions to make? A pivotal point of hearing God is surrendering your life as a sheep to a shepherd and saying, I'm yours, Lord. Wherever you would have me go, I just want to hear a word from you. And then, here's the next important step. If you're not already obeying what the shepherd's already told you, don't think there's going to be any new directions. He's already given you all kinds of instructions. But if you are withholding and saying, I'm not going to obey this area, don't think that in that point of need, when you've got to figure out one way or the other, that God's going to give you some new direction if you're not obeying what you already know. He's already mapped out probably 95% of the decisions for us, but it's that 5% that messes up, isn't it? But it's amazing, when we're obeying God, the 95% of things that he's instructed, those 5% of things where it's not necessarily cleared out will fall right in line when we're obeying God and the principles he's already told us to do. So it sounds great to have a shepherd, unless you don't like what the shepherd's telling you. But if you don't like what the shepherd's telling you, you've got to be prepared to take the consequences of wandering away from the shepherd, even if it means falling right off that cliff. So there is the direction that's really important as we see this. But then we see our protection. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It is always the presence of the Lord that is the protection that causes fear to go away. When I'm praying for others that I know are in a fearful moment. One of the things I've I've informed from Scripture and praying for them is is that, God, would you let your presence be known to them? I know you're there with them, but sometimes they're not aware that you're with them. Would you just let your presence be known so that the fears would go away or will be overshadowed by your presence? When we have fearful moments in our life, one of the things we pray for, God, let your presence be known in ways I get, in ways that I understand. You're there because the Word tells us that you're there. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's two different tools there. Um, being in, in Kenya, you see this a lot because it's a very shepherding culture. Uh, and and uh, you'll see the little boys, nine-year-old, ten-year-old little guys out there, and they're shepherds. And they'll walk around, and they say that uh, you're not a good boy unless you've got one of these with you. Um, you've got to have a stick with you. Uh, to be a good boy in some of the shepherding uh, places is just what they do. And that it's, I get it. Uh, and then they'll have a longer stick. So this is the rod. As you can say, it's pretty, it's pretty powerully built. Okay? Uh, they would call the, the Kenyan would call this a rungo. Uh, but they would use this for defense. And so this was the defense against the animals around. Uh, and so they would throw it like a baseball. Uh, and they were pretty good at it. Uh, and, and that would be their defense from the animals without, and then they would have a longer rod that they would use for steering and directing the sheep to make sure that they go in the right direction. Uh, and so this is, these are the two tools of a shepherd, and they deal with two different enemies. There's the enemy without, all right, there's the, the satanic influences to derail us, and then there's the enemy within us, our own selfishness. 
And so the rod and staff come together as a shepherd to work in our hearts and our life. And so when we feel God's presence, sometimes it might be expressed in the correctives of our life. Just to steer us, and maybe it's cutting down or eliminating what we thought were great opportunities. And God's saying, "Mm, no, if you go down this direction, it will lead down to, to destruction. And so... Both tools are coming, but here's the thing. Sometimes I come across people and they say, you know, help me out, Pastor. I am, I'm enduring a lot of bad things, and I don't know what I did wrong, but I must have done something wrong because of all the bad that I'm enduring. And so they present this picture of God being this vindictive God that's just looking out to see when he can get you. So he's not, you understand, he's not walking around with this to say, okay, Raymond, that was it, boom. He's not trying to, to crush us. It's not a, a, a punishment. When we talk about punishment of sin, God defines two punishments for sin. There is the cross and there is hell. Anything short of that is not punishment. So when we talk about our sin being punished, well, are you, are you on the cross or are you in hell? For the believer, the things that come in our life are as a loving shepherd to correct, to instruct us. And so it really is helpful for us to understand who our God is, that he is not some victim, vindictive one that might have reminded you of your dad just looking for some reason to get you. He's presenting a totally different picture of one who's wanting to lead us down good paths. And then we keep on reading. It kind of changes the metaphor in verse 5. But I love how, it, catch this, in verse 4, you know, in verse 1, 2, and 3, he's talking about third person. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. But then when he gets to verse 4, he switches away to second person. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff. In other words, he's talking about his shepherd But when he's in the valley of shadow of death, he just talks to the shepherd. I'm not talking about him anymore. Let me just talk to you. There's something about those valleys that produces such an intimacy with the shepherd. We hate them. We never look forward to them. We don't seek them out. But when they come, look for the treasure that is there. And that is a greater intimacy with your father. When those decisions and difficulties come, look for that intimacy that can be found there in verse 4. But then in verse 5, in the midst of this, in the midst of the valley of shadow of death, as he is struggling with this, yet verse 5 and 6, this metaphor is changed to that of a host. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that great? Only God can do that. In the valley of shadow of death, only God can prepare a table in that valley. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Interesting, when you look at David's life, as he's fleeing away uh, from his son, 
He's in this dry area. He's hungry. He's worried. His army's in disarray. And in 2 Samuel chapter 17, three men come to his aid. They're not even Israelites. The sons of Barzillai. It says they brought beds and basins so they could wash and refresh themselves, earthen vessels, wheat, barley, meal, parched grain, beans, and lentils, honey, and curds, and sheep, and cheese from the herd for David and the people with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. Interesting. David experiences that while his son was out to get him, God provided for him the most unlikely sources, this, this feast. So I want, to, want you to see our commendation. When Jesus is our shepherd, what is the accommodations that are given? Well, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God is preparing a meal. But in the Middle Eastern culture, is part of what they did when they had company come, and it's funny because our American culture, we're starting with the rise of oils. Uh, we're starting to get into this a little bit more. Uh, but they would anoint the person with oil as they're coming in, as a way of blessing them. I go to my sister's house, and sometimes it's, they're, they're into the oils. Um, and it, it just, it smells like oil, you know. They've got one of those misters, and it's just putting it out there, you know. And, and if, if they ever find out, hey, you're dealing with that kind of rash, you got a headache, oh, let me, hey, boom, boom. You know, I'm walking away, and I'm all oiled up, you know. Um, but it's, it's their way, I, you know, we we're kind of learning a little bit, we're starting to get into that. But back then, that was the Middle Eastern way of saying, this is what we do for those who are special to us. We anoint you with oil. It is a way of of uh, host saying you're loved you're cared for and then my cup overflows so again in the eastern culture today when we go to uh, east asia it's interesting one of the things that happens is we'll go to the tea room and uh we'll serve tea and sometimes we have people that don't like tea and they they have to come because we're there you know where this is we, you do as the asians do and so we're we're, we're drinking tea and uh, and so here in America, uh, we show our satisfaction by finishing the plate. You know, we remember our mom telling us, clean the plate. And so we drink all the tea and we put it down. And the Eastern uh, hostess mindset is, is in collision here because uh, an Eastern uh, mindset says, you're not satisfied, you're not content until you walk away with your cup being full. So you can see the collision for someone who doesn't like tea. I mean, they just mustered it down, thinking, my goodness, I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to swallow this. And, and then they put it down, and, and to their horror, it fills right up. Or they take a sip, and they put it, as soon as they drink a sip, and, and they're trying hard to drink it just to show their, their culture appreciation. And all the while, you know, this, this other thing's going on. So when the Bible talks about their cup overflowing, it, it is a way of, of an Eastern person saying to them that we want you here. In fact... If an Eastern person lets your cup go down, that's a bad sign. They say, you need to go. You've been here too long. <laughs> you drink too much tea. Go away. Uh, and, but for them to keep it full, it's them saying, we want you here. And so when you read this, it says, my cup overflows. God is accommodating us and says, I want you with me. I'm going to be a blessing to you. And then verse 6, surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, the word there, the good and mercy shall follow me, the word literally is pursue you. Goodness and mercy will be in pursuit of you all the days of my life. 
Now, I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s, late, in the late 70s. Any boy that grew up in the 80s in this area would have known Dukes of Hazard. And when I hear this phrase, goodness and mercy will be in pursuit of you. <laughs> yeah, those of you already know. I hear Roscoe looking on his CB, and the boys are sped past him, and there's a I'm in fast pursuit. And so now you got this, this foolish man following Bo and Luke Duke wherever they go. You got this, the craziness that ensues, and so I and the Dukes of Hazard. You got the craziness and goofiness uh, that will pursue Bo and Luke. You read this here. Someone's in fast pursuit of you, and it's goodness and mercy will be in pursuit of you. Jeff is our policeman. <laughs> Don't want him pursuing you unless he's got goodness and mercy. And how refreshing would that be when Jeff pulls you over and say, I've got some good news for you. I've got some mercy I want to give to you. That's right. That's life following the shepherd. The accommodation that he's giving to us. The goodness and mercy that follows us all the days. And it is a good thing to know that in my mistakes, in my errors, where I don't follow the the shepherd well, mercy follows me and goodness follows me. When I sometimes do ill intents, but when I surrender it to the shepherd, somehow the shepherd can change things around. So that like Joseph could say to his brothers, what you did, you intended for harm, but God has used it for good. I have a shepherd that's cleaning up my mess as I go. That's a wonderful thing. And then I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The accommodation of a shepherd. We had a few weeks and weekends ago, I was preaching at a church uh, in Mount Vernon and Boone. They invited me to preach and so our family was invited to come up, and, uh, and so we have, you know, a group of six. You can't just, you know, you got to make some accommodations for that. And, and so they were uh, asking me, they give me three options. I said, well, we can, we can put you in uh, one of our friends' house, uh, and uh, they can host you. Um, or we could uh, put up a Holiday Inn, and we can get a couple rooms for you. Um, or you could stay in the barn. Okay, the barn. I said, well, whose barn is it? I said, it's the family called the Furmans. I'll take that option. You see, what you don't know is I happen to know who the Furmans were. Uh, Furmans, if you're familiar with World Medical Mission, uh, they started that. Um, it, of course, was incorporated within Samaritan's Purse as a, a couple of heart doctors. Um, when I was, years ago, I helped in uh, the wedding of one of their daughters, and I saw their house. It was amazing. <laughs> Up at the Blue Ridge, I mean, it's this mansion of Blue Ridge Parkway. I said, Furman's Barn, I'm there. Because the Furman's Barn, I've never seen it, never, don't know anything about it, but I know that name. And if it's their barn, it's better than the Holiday Inn. Sorry, Jimmy, you're a friend of mine, but I'm staying with the Furman's. And so we drove up. Try to find it, and at first we weren't quite sure, and we saw this gorgeous place, like, well, what an amazing place. 
and we drove right by it because, you know, GPS and stuff, we weren't obeying something. Uh, and then we turned around and realized that gorgeous place was where we were staying. And yeah, they keep horses there. My goodness. And the Scots. Uh, <laughs> but all you had to know was the name. You see, it, it wasn't so much just about the accommodations. It was about who it belonged to. When it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, you notice that word again, it's in all capitals, it's the I am, the house of the I am, who has no limitation. What kind of house does the unlimited God have? A house where you're invited. You're invited to be a part of that. I want in on that. But it's not so much the house, it is the shepherd. The shepherd who loved me, who in the chapter prior to this was willing to say to God the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Psalm 22 verse 1, he was forsaken so that God, the I am, could say to us, be embraced. He cast us, or he cast Jesus out from his presence in the hour of darkness on the cross so that there could be a great glorious light given to us and that we would be given a home. He was forsaken by God the Father and he turned his face away from his prayer, the prayer of his own beloved son. God the Father turned away from it so that he could turn his face to us as we pray and say, Lord, Will you be my shepherd? And God the Father was pleased to see his son bruised on our behalf. So listen, when we're talking about being in the Lord's house, you can be checking out the gold if you want to. I don't really care. Because gold never was a shepherd to me. It never could redeem me. It's fine to nail pierced hands who has led us all along the way and when the hour comes when your heart stops beating the Lord is still your shepherd it doesn't stop when your heart stops the shepherd is so powerful so great he'll get your heart started being again with a whole new heart untainted with sin that's our hope that's our shepherd that's our glory Let's pray.